Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Since last month was, you know, had Mother's Day in it and all the ladies went on a ladies' retreat, uh, we did a series entitled Wonder Woman, and we looked at uh, like four major women in the Bible and what we can learn from them. And so we thought we'd just flip that. We're going to do Man of Steel, Man of Steel this month. Why? It's because, you know, we did Wonder Woman, so now we're going to do Man of Steel. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do about the same thing. We're going to take some, some men from Scripture, and we're going to say, hey, here's this guy in the Bible. This is what we can learn from them. Now, as I, as I started doing this and preparing and thinking about, uh, man, there's so many obviously, uh, you know, amazing men in the Bible that we could choose from. And I started reading about some of them, studying on some of them. And then I came to the disciples and I started studying the disciples. Now I know it's going to get a little bit strange here for a moment because out of the disciples, there's just so many awesome ones you could look at. And, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Peter, right? He did some cool stuff. Like he walked on water. Come on, somebody. What can we learn from that? You too can walk on water. I don't know. Um, you know, he, he cut off a dude's ear. I mean, he he did some really cool stuff in the Bible, and uh, but it's okay. Jesus picked up the ear and put it back on, all right? Um, and, you know, there's, there's different guys we could have looked at. I mean, John, the beloved. I mean, the one that Jesus loved. But as I was studying, uh, here's what began to grab my attention. There was one disciple that really perplexed me, all right? And so today we're going to look at Judas, Judas. And I know some of you are like, what are we going to learn for Judas? Well, we're going to find out, all right? And so we're going to look at Judas today, one of the disciples. And here's my prayer, that over the next several weeks that we're together, um, that honestly, that you would just walk away um, understanding the scriptures more, um, understanding maybe some of the characters in the Bible more, but more importantly, walking away from this series more radically in love with Jesus Christ. Amen? And understanding how much he loves you and the plans and the purposes that he has for you. So we're gonna look at some, some different guys about today. We're gonna to look at Judas. So turning your Bibles to Luke uh, in the New Testament, one of the Gospels. It's the third book of the New Testament. And uh, Luke has some interesting things to write, and uh, specifically when it came about uh, Judas. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Judas. Um, you know, there's some different theories out there that we can read, uh, but I tried to stay away from the theories and just look at Scripture. And if you just look at Scripture and don't take any of the theories, uh, here's basically what you learn about Judas. Judas was one of the disciples, one of the ones that Jesus chose. Um, he was the guy in charge of the money, all right? So as they traveled and uh, the 12 with Jesus, Jesus entrusted him with the money. Uh, we also see that in Scripture that being entrusted with the money, he actually he liked to steal some of the money, all right? Uh, what, one of the great things we know about him is, is towards the end of his time with Jesus, and we know him as the betrayer. He is the one that betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He's the one that came up in the garden uh, as he had been paid, uh, you know, some silver, 30 coins, and, and uh, he had set it up. The one I kiss in the garden, he's the one sees him. That's probably the greatest thing. When you hear the name Judas, that's probably the first thing you think of. Betrayer, Right? And uh, that's really, if you just look at scripture and then you know that later on he felt remorseful after he betrayed Jesus and he actually hung himself. And if you just look at scripture and you take away all of the theories, that's pretty much what we know about Judas. But we're gonna learn some things from him today and uh, some things that maybe we can do as believers to see our lives transformed. Luke chapter six, I'm gonna start in verse 12. And it reads, during those days, he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to 
God. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment because that right in there is a pretty powerful picture. Uh, if you know who Jesus is, Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh on earth, right? He's the son of God, but we know that he's fully God, yet fully man. And he's on the earth. So here is, is God in the flesh on earth, Jesus. And look at what he does. He goes away and he begins to pray. But he doesn't just pray for a little while. He doesn't just, you know, get up in the morning and, and spend five minutes in prayer. He doesn't just get up in the morning and drive to work and spend, you know, time praying on his way to work. But think about it now. Here is the son of God that saw the power and the importance of prayer. And he spent how long? All night praying. Now, we're going to see why he spent all night praying in just a moment, because he had to make a pretty big decision here. He was going to decide who his followers were going to be, who his disciples that he was going to appoint uh, eventually as apostles. Who were those people going to be? And so he spent all night in prayer. But what about us? What, what, what decisions in our life, what important matters in our life are there that, that sometimes we don't even go to God in prayer about? Right? But here is the Son of God on earth praying all night long. Uh, where are we at? Verse 13. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. In other words, there were more than 12 that were following him and he had a whole bunch of them and he needed to choose 12. He also named them apostles. Verse 14. Simon, whom he also named Peter. That's the guy that we mentioned walked on water, right? And cut off somebody's ear. And Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Did you catch that? The only one that got a qualifier there was Judas. Everyone else got named, and then there's Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Really not what I want said about my life at the end of my days, Right? Not what you want on your tombstone when people come and visit and lay flowers down at your grave. Ben Brinkman, the one who betrayed Jesus, right? Not something you want. But this is what's known of Judas, the one who was a traitor. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments, Lord, as we uh, look at the scriptures, as we look at the life of Judas, that, Lord, you would just teach us some things from it, that we could walk out of here stronger in our faith, that we could walk out of here knowing you better. But more importantly, we'd walk out of here knowing how much you love us and how much you believe in us. God, certainly if you could choose a guy named Judas who you knew was gonna betray you, God, you could choose us. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the great plan and purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. I heard one time about a guy from Southern California. How many of you guys love being in Southern California? I love Southern California. It's a little gloomy this morning. I looked at the weather. I was telling somebody next week for Father's Day, it's going to be 92 degrees. Come on, somebody. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's too hot. And I'm like, move somewhere else then. You know, I love the warm weather. I love the heat. I love the sunshine. I can't think of a better Father's Day next week than Mexican food, hanging out with you people in 92 degree weather. Come on, somebody. I heard about this guy from Southern California, and he, uh, he might have even been from San Diego, but he moved to Washington State. Anybody here from Washington? I grew up in Washington, love the place when the sun is shining, so for about two days out of the year, I love Washington, all right? But this guy, he wanted to get away from the city, and he wanted to move up to what? He moved to the woods of Washington, and he didn't know a whole lot about the woods, but, but he wanted to clear himself a yard, and so he needed to get rid of some trees, and so he went to the local hardware store, went up to the cashier, and said, hey, I need, to, I need to cut down some trees, and so the cashier was like, all right, I got the perfect tool for you. It's a chainsaw. 
Guy says, sweet, I'll, I'll take the chainsaw. And so he gets the chainsaw. The, the cashier's like, man, this thing, it can cut down a thousand trees in one day. Come on, somebody. So the guy's like, sweet, I don't really have that many trees, but all right, a thousand trees in one day, great. And so he goes off with a chainsaw. Next day rolls around, and the guy comes walking back in the chainsaw, and he is mad. Cashier's standing there, looks perplexed, like, what's going on? The guy goes, man, I worked all day, and this thing barely cut down one tree. I think you ripped me off. And the cashier's like, I am so sorry, sir. There must be something wrong with the chainsaw. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll just exchange it, give you a brand new one. And so the guy from Southern California is like, all right. And he takes that chainsaw and he goes back. And next day he shows up again. And now he's even more mad. I mean, he is fuming. And he brings the chainsaw up to the guy and says, man, this thing is not working. I don't know what kind of thing you got going on here, but these chainsaws you saw, they ain't working. The cashier is totally perplexed now. He's like, that's impossible. Like, there's no way that we have two bad chainsaws in our store. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to personally come out with you right now, and we're going to see what the problem is. And so the cashier goes to the guy from Southern California, goes to his house, and the guy says, there's the trees I want cut, cut down, and kind of stands there. And the guy, the cashier goes up, and boom, starts the thing up. Brum, 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 brum. The guy from Southern California jumps up and goes, what's that sound? <laughs> see what I did there? chainsaw, he, he didn't realize he had to start it, right? So he's just <laughs> shocked by the sound. <laughs> you know what? I believe there's a lot of Christians that live their life exactly that way. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, call themselves believers, and they are just trying to get through life, and they're just trying to get through this, and, and trying to overcome that, and trying to persevere, and, and trying to do the best they can, and I got to get up, and I, I got to read the Bible, and I should probably come to church, and, and whatever it is, and they're just, they're, just, they're just trying to get through, and here's the problem. They don't understand that there is a power available to them as Christ. Christ followers found through the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that we don't have to try to do anything, but we can just allow the power of God to come inside and begin to flow in us and through us. But yet we find ourselves just trying, trying to get through. I just got I mean, I need to, I need to make myself be transformed. I just got to do better. I got to stop sinning. I've got to do this. And we're worn out. And we're missing it. And then we come to church and we think, man, church is the answer. How many know that church is not the answer? Like, why am I here then? <laughs> Probably not the thing you want to say as a pastor, right? Church is not the answer. Church is just a tool. Church is like you showing up like that guy did to the hardware store and saying, man, I need something, right? Here's the problem. Sometimes, man, we give you something, but we won't tell you how to use it. You need to pray. Okay. Well, what does that look like? And then we invite you to a prayer time, and you hear, vroom, 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 vroom. you're like, whoa, I could do something with that. Right? Right? See, so many of us live our life like that guy with that saw. Man, a powerful tool in his hand, but not realizing how to use it. Listen to me, God has an amazing plan, an amazing purpose for your life, but he's also infused you with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could live out that amazing plan and that amazing life. And when you come to church, man, that's the place where it's like, all right, here's the tool. 
Here's what you got to do. Let's take the scriptures. What does the Bible say? James says this. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just show up to church and hear the word, but be a doer of the word. Don't just go and purchase the chainsaw. Start the chainsaw. Put it to work. God's got a great plan for you. And I see this today as I look at the life of Judas. And what perplexes me is that there could be 12 individuals walking with the same Jesus, seeing the same miracles, eating the same meals, watching the same prayer times, doing all these things, but yet his life, Judas's life, was not transformed. But seemingly the others were. And you can walk into a church and hear amazing worship like we did. The worship people are sitting in here. That'd be a great place to say amen. Hear the amazing worship that we did. Okay. Right? And hear that. Be a part of it. But you'll walk out with your life not transformed. God wants to transform you from the inside out. That's his plan. That's his purpose. He wants to transform you from the inside out. Let me just give you a couple of things we see here that I discovered as I looked at the life of Judas. First thing is this. Transformation is a choice, not a calling. Transformation, you being transformed is a choice, not a calling. It's a choice. Well, what do you mean by that, pastor? Listen, Jesus went up the mountain, prayed all night long. All night, right? He prayed all night. And he came down. And out of like the 170 disciples there were, he chose 12. And one of those 12, Judas, he was chose just like the other 11. The problem is, is even though God chose us, we got to say yes to him. You being transformed is a choice. You can say yes to his call. You can say yes to his grace. You can say yes to his provision. Yeah, I know we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is our response to the grace that's extended. And he empowers us and gives us the ability to choose. But he never makes us choose. He make us. Somebody with me this morning? Man, transformation is not a calling. It's a choice. You got cho- to say yes to Jesus. See, I think some of us live our life like, I'll just get to church. Pastor will do the work. I'll walk out with my life transformed. Amen. Wouldn't that be great? That's kind of like you taking a diet pill without going to the gym. Well, right? How's that working for you? You got to put in some work. Really? Now you're talking about works. So that was about grace. No, the work is you just saying yes. Open your mouth. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. So you know that your life, honestly, your life is just a series of choices. The sum total of your life is just a series of choices. The good choices, the bad choices. It's all about choice. And when you look back at the end of your years and maybe you stand before the throne of grace, and God looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. How many, you want that one, right? You don't want, hey, traitor. <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Enter. What, what, what did I do well? Well, you said yes to the plan and the purpose that I have for you. 
You chose. You chose, you chose. Honestly, there is nothing that happens. And I know that there's like, you know, things that, you know, a hurricane happened. I didn't choose that. Well, you choose, you know, chose to live in Florida. Well, right. Anybody feel the earthquake this last week? Some of you did. Some of you like, no, I wanted to. I, I, this is a true story. The only earthquake I felt this week was my wife punching me in the back. Ben, wake up. We're having an earthquake. I'm just like, why? Why? I had a hard time going back to sleep. I was like, next time there's an earthquake and if nothing's falling, okay? And even if stuff is falling, just drag me to a safe place and let me sleep. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? She was like, I was just looking out for you. And I'm like, just drag me there next time. Our life is a series of choices. The good choices we make, the bad choices we make. Listen, it's not just going to happen. We've got to accept the plan and the purpose God has for us. And as we do, we will be transformed. And listen to me, listen, listen to me. Proximity does not equal intimacy. Judas walked with Jesus, hung out with Jesus, ate with Jesus, but his proximity did not equal intimacy. I've, I've seen this, I've seen this as, I've counseled couples before. It's like, they married, but they, but they ain't in it together. I've seen it sometimes when we go, go out on dates, and one of the rules we kind of have on our dates is like phones, and we have to have it on just because we have kids that are at home and they might need to call, but we like, we put our phones away. But I go out to, on dates and I look around at some people and I'm like, there's two of them sitting there and they're just, sometimes I'll walk in and I'm like, are you guys talking to each other? Texting each other? They're there, proximity, but it doesn't equal intimacy. It's a choice. It's a choice. We even see that Judas himself made a choice later on. In Luke twenty-two forty-eight, that when, when Judas was offered the money, he made a conscious choice to betray Jesus for money. He could have turned that same energy and made a conscious choice to choose to be intimate with Jesus. I love what Joshua 24, 15 says. This is a powerful verse. The question is asked who they're going to serve. Joshua replies, but if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, that's God, choose for yourselves today. Choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Listen to me, the, the things that are happening in your life. Uh, even this morning as we were worshiping, man, I, it was powerful. And some of you are like, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard better. I've seen better. The difference in it being powerful or you standing there like, was a choice. Was a choice. Am I going to choose to engage in this moment? Am I going to choose to believe that the Bible declares wherever two or three are gathered together in his name that he's there? Am I going to choose to believe that he abides in the praises of his people? And am I going to be a part of that? And am I going to worship and praise Jesus? Am I going to choose? Those that experience the power of God in that moment. Man, and I believe that God wants to fill his church with power. I believe that God wants to fill his church with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I believe that with all my heart. 
And I believe that we'll begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and the anointing of God when we stop choosing giftedness over anointing. Listen, there was an anointing here this morning. It was about where, like, now you felt it, man. Like, it was like, like, I know sometimes it takes a little time. Like, song one, like, okay, that was good. But like, song two, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Song three, it's like, well, there's something going on here right now. Yeah? I mean, God's big. It takes him a little time to abide. Come on, somebody, right? But man, you start feeling the presence of God, and that's what God wants to do in your life. It is not about your gifting. It's not about your talent. It's about how yielded you are to the presence of God. And so that's why, that's why Timothy talks, 2 Timothy chapter 2, says that, man, I've got to be a vessel of honor, sanctified and set apart for the master's good and perfect use. He is looking for people. He's looking for people that, as he calls, they will choose to say yes to the call. Amen. Amen. Second thing I see and I learned from the life of Judas is this, is that transformation is continual and gradual, not spontaneous. It's continual and gradual. It's not just spontaneous. It's just boom. Now, I know some of you are hearing like, no, pastor, I remember the day I said yes to Jesus. It felt like everything changed. It did. Your vision changed. Your your perspective changed. The, The thing you were focusing on changed. All of that changed. And in that moment, it literally feels like, oh, my gosh, like everything's brand new. Am I the only one that remembers that day when I said yes to Jesus? I guess so. All right. And I remember I was like, I was like six, six years old. And I was sitting in my, my dining room with my mom. And I remember she was like, Ben, have you ever asked Jesus Christ in your heart? And I'm like, dad's a pastor? No, but that's not what I, have you ever asked Jesus Christ in your heart? Um, no. Well, do you want to do that? Yes. And I remember at the age of six, right there, man, six years old, I had to stop stealing cars. I had to give up my girlfriends. I had to say no to drugs. Now, I remember, though, at six years old, feeling completely different, okay? But you know what? It wasn't like everything that was going to change in my life changed in that moment. It is gradual, not spontaneous. It happens. It's not just everything, because it goes back to the idea of choice. Here's what I see, that there are 11 guys that gradually had their life transformed. They continually and gradually kept saying yes to Jesus, kept following Jesus, kept learning from Jesus, kept growing in Jesus, kept growing in their understanding and hearing the parables and the stories. And and every time they would sit with him and have a meal and and there there was gradual transformation, but there was one that was sitting there called, but there was no transformation. See, some of us, I believe, we live like, the, like, like, like in lottery mode. I'm going to buy the ticket, and I'm going to win. I said yes to Jesus, and everything's better. Until day two, and you realize, what's going on? Right? But it's gradual. And we need to understand this. For those of us that, that, that are part of the church, we need to understand this. Because if, not, if we don't understand that it's gradual and continual, when someone comes and says yes to Jesus and we pray for them, they come to our small group and we're so excited and we pray for them and then we find out they're still doing this and that, you're like, what are you doing? Stop that. You can't sleep around anymore. You said yes to Jesus. 
What are you doing going to there? You can't. See, if we don't understand that it's gradual and continual, here's what we'll start to do. We'll start to judge people by their actions rather than by the content of their heart. And I love what Pastor Jared said this week as he was here speaking to some of our leaders. Look, we don't want a church full of police officers. We want a church full of pastors. We don't want a church full of people that are like, you said yes to Jesus. Stop that. Knock it off. What? You should be different. Uh, okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew, I grew up in a movement like that. I grew up in a movement that cared more about what you were doing than why you were doing it. I grew up in a movement that I would just say, like, like if you did something, like, like if people getting drunk, like, you can't get drunk. Why? The Bible said so. Okay. Rather than, hey, what's going on in your life that you feel the need to be consumed with alcohol? But see, Jesus, you know what he cares about? Jesus looks at the inside. <laughs> he looks at the inside. He looks at the heart. I don't know about you, but I want to go to a church that does that. Because here's the, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If we do not, if we don't care about why people are doing all we care about is what they're doing, here's the problem. Those same people that are doing the what's will continue to do the what's, but instead what they will do without a heart transformation, they will start to take on your mannerisms and your qualities without experiencing a true inward change. And they'll start to just look like a Christian and act like a Christian, but yet there is no heart transformation. I don't know about you, but I, I want my life to be transformed. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. Amen. It'll be louder in here next week. Come next week. Hmm. See, it's why the Bible over and over again. I got to keep track of the time because I got to go preach another service. Brandon's going to finish my last point and he doesn't even know what it is. Pray for the prophetic right now. Be released. Here's the thing. You read scripture over and over again and it says this. And the kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a seed. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a, man, a farmer who scattered seed. It's like a farmer who went out and planted seed, and then he got up every morning to check on it, and he sees it growing, but he doesn't know how it grows. Over and over again, the kingdom of God, what we're in, what we're invested in, it's like a seed, and I hate it. It's like a seed. We just planted a garden. Let me retract that. My wife just planted a garden. And she goes out every morning to check on her garden. And like three weeks in, she's like, I don't know what it's doing. I'm watering it. I know there's seeds there, but I don't see anything yet. But I'll never forget the first day she saw something. She came running back in the house, Ben, something's growing. I'm like, what is it? She goes, I can't tell yet. <laughs> but I think that it's a pepper because it's in the pepper row. <laughs> right? There's just a green leaf coming out. So I go out there and I look and we're like, oh, right? But now that garden, man, stuff's coming out of it, green leaves. It's awesome. But you know what? It was a process. It was a process. It was, we planted, the kingdom of God was like that. Someone says yes to Jesus. We're like, change. Ch change. And then we were not bold enough to go say something. So we're like, hey, Pastor Ben, I, I, so-and-so said yes to Jesus a while ago, and they're not changing. You should go say something to them. I'm like, no. Why? 
You don't love them. No, I do love them. It's just that it takes time. It takes time. It's a process. Dang it. Right? I just want to see some growth in my life. You will. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing. See, as much as we love to read that verse, hey, don't grow weary in doing good. Yes! You know what it tells me? It tells me that we're going to grow weary. That's why the Bible's pleading with you, don't. It's not just there for us to read. Oh, that's powerful. Don't grow weary. No, you're going to grow weary. So the verse comes along and says, hey, don't grow weary. Okay, why? Because you are going to reap in due season. Awesome. When? Eventually. But how long is eventually? It's a while. How long is a while? I don't know. I mean, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years of God and a thousand years like a day. I don't know. Dang it. Just keep doing good. What is good? This. Okay. Do that. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? But you got to know. You got to know how it works. Lastly, I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I need to be done. Lastly, transformation is internal, not external. Transformation is internal, not external. Oh, well, pastor, but what do you mean by that? I mean, if, I, if something happens internally, won't it show up externally eventually? It's like the seed. The transformation that he wants to do in your life. Listen to me, God looks at the heart. All of us people, we look at the outside. We look and we're like, oh, why didn't so-and-so show up to church today? Mm. I bet you they're out doing something they shouldn't be doing. Or maybe they're on vacation. Or maybe they're sick and you should pray for them. Well, or maybe they're struggling. They really do need somebody to reach out to them. See, God looks at the heart. Why? Because he, he, God understands this. God understands that as he continues to minister to you on the inside, eventually, things will change on the outside. And the reality is, is that even if some of those behaviors don't change, life is a process. And he loves you and cares about you so much. Listen, how much does he love you? He let Judas walk with him for three and a half years. And then, after Judas betrayed him, Jesus went to the cross to die for him. That's how much he loves. That's how much he loves. It's internal, not external. But listen to me. Listen to me. It won't be until we accept responsibility for the external things that the transformation will begin to start on the internal. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Listen, Judas had everything the other 11 did. Same Jesus, same miracles, same friends. He watched Jesus feed the thousands with just a couple of loaves and some fish. He watched blind eyes being opened. He watched somebody being raised from the dead. He had the same call as the rest of them. But there was something about Judas that he didn't accept it. So there's too many of us. There's too many of us that walk around and say this, you know, what if I was at a different church? I've had different friends. I've had a different upbringing. 
Well, if I lived in a different neighborhood, well, if this changed and that changed and this changed, listen to me. It's not about that. Judas was surrounded with the best person in the world, Jesus Christ. You can be surrounded by the right neighborhood. You can be in the right church. You can be in the right, but whatever it is. But listen to me, until you begin to accept responsibility and stop pointing your finger, well, it's their fault. It's that person's fault. Well, it's this thing's fault. Well, man, I've had a different upbringing. It's that fault. Well, if they did the right songs this morning, I would have felt the presence of God. I mean, a pastor would just go a little bit deeper in the word. Then I could learn and I could grow more. I mean, if the, if the right small groups were available to me, Or you could just accept responsibility. I'm telling you, you'll begin to experience internal transformation. It's not about what's happening out here, but as soon as you accept, you know what? There's some stuff that ain't right in my life. And, and, and it stops now. There's some stuff happening that ain't right in my life. It stops now. I'm going to turn towards Jesus. I'm going to allow him, come on, to come inside and begin to speak to me internally and begin to transform me from the inside out. Hey, man, it's internal, not external. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to transform you today from the inside out. And it starts with one choice, the choice of saying yes to him. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.